title of my message this morning is The Mystery, The Secret to Godliness, Just Living for the Lord. And uh, I know that all of us, uh, if we've been saved, uh, we want to please God. And uh, without holiness, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews says. And so there's a certain amount of way that the Lord wants us to live. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this here. For the, by the way, you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll be at verse 16. That'll be my main text here in just a few moments. But it states, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and that grace teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly, li- uh, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And you say, well, it's too tough to live godly anymore. I think of Abraham. I think of Sarah and their time. I think of Noah. Can you imagine? The only family in the entire world who was willing to stand up for God. You can live it regardless of what's going on around you. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this here. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise, discipline, do things. Thyself rather unto godliness. And living godly is a battle. It's a battle inside of us, but also it's a battle outside of us. Because when you begin to live godly outside, people see it, then that's when trouble comes at times. And that's why some people don't live for God in a godly way. It states in 2 Timothy 3.12, it states this here. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You'll get somebody's air up one way or another if you try to live for Christ. I was watching a program the other night, and this one person said, well, the real meaning of Christmas is about Christ, his birth, our faith, and so on. And the other people, they begin to cuss just to show them that, you know, it's not always about that. And it was really kind of disappointing, but that's the way the world looks at us at times. Now, in order to live godly, God helps us. He's given us the Godhead. He's given us the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the Word of God. And that's to help us, that's to encourage us, and that's to direct, instruct us in the way that we should live. And 1 Timothy 3.16 gives us a lot of insight concerning this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That's it, mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. There it states at the beginning of that verse, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Turn my mic up just a little bit so I can hear it a little bit better. I'd appreciate that. And the topic of this verse here, the subject is not necessarily just the Lord Jesus Christ, but the topic is godliness. He's just given qualifications for the pastors and for the deacons. And now he's given qualifications for one's life, all of us. And so it's about godliness. Godliness means to display in our behavior godly respect, godly reverence. 
It's a godliness that displays the Christ who lives inside of us. Now he says there, great is the mystery. Godliness, the way to live godly, now don't miss this, comes from a different position today than it used to be. Previously was this truth I'm going to share this morning was unknown, was a secret, was a truth not experienced as it can be experienced today, now revealed to the body, the church. It's a new body of truth, teaching, doctrine, given only to the dispensation of grace believers concerning the believers today's godliness. He shares something I think we just overlook all the time, and we just should not do that at all. Grace believers have a real privilege today about living godly. Second, or 1 Timothy 6.3 says this here. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. Titus chapter 1 verse 1 says this. Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Here's a secret that was not known we take for granted today. Christ, through the Spirit of God, lives in us. That was never before the body of Christ, which we are today. He'd move upon people, then leave. But now we know Christ lives in us. Christ himself is the beginning and the end of all godliness. And he is the true example of godliness. So he is our pattern. We know that. And this verse teaches us some things about him that is true of us. Notice it states in verse 16 again. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. You see that part? And that was true of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, that Word dwelt, well, dwelt among us, you know. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He, as the Spirit, He, as the eternal God, was revealed openly. He was made visible in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why His name is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Okay? Now, since the main topic, subject is godliness, it's showing believers today, since Christ has come to live inside of us through the Holy Spirit, it means we can and we should live out Christ's life in us. Christ is to be seen through our flesh, in our conduct, and in our behavior in such a way that was never known by previous scriptures until revealed to Apostle Paul. Something else in verse 16, notice it states there, justified in the Spirit. Justified in the Spirit. Romans 1.4 says this, 
and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. He was justified in the spirit. It's true of Christ. He was approved. He was declared. He was attested to who he claimed to be. He indeed was the Father's righteous son. You can see that, by the way, in his birth. Virgin born. Never it happened, never will happen. Deity became flesh. Not only that, you can see in his life. His life was perfect because it was sinless. You can see it in his death. He died on the cross shedding his blood for our sins. You see it in his, uh, in his burial. Uh, he took away our sins far away, and then we see it in his resurrection. He was raised for our justification. And so you can see he proved who he was. However, Jesus never needed to be justified from sin. That's only us. God has declared us, we who have believed in the death, burial, and resurrection, he's declared us godly, righteous, pardoned, totally forgiven of all of our sins. God has given us, who have believed in the gospel, his son's righteousness to our account, to our life. Titus 3, 5 and following says, Now, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on, Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, that's how we're saved. We're justified by his grace. Now, back to verse 16, it says this, 3.16, seeing of angels. That's true of Christ. The angels, they were at his birth when the angelic hosts rejoiced. They were at his baptism when the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They were at his temptation. They came at the end of those 40 days and ministered unto him. They were there at the empty tomb. When they said, he is not here, he is risen. And then he was, they were there when he ascended on high and said, this same Jesus you've seen go up, likewise, it's going to be the same Jesus who returns one day. So he was seen of angels. But us also, we are seen by the angels. They watch us. They observe us. And there's a reason for that today. Ephesians 3, 9 and 10. And to make all men see what? What is the fellowship of the mystery, the mystery program, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers, that's the angelic people, in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. You and I, each day, as we live out this 
mystery program that's for today, the body of Christ, Christ in us, as we live this out, the angels observe that and they see in it the wisdom of God by the way we live. That's an amazing testimony. Verse 16 again, it says this, preached unto the Gentiles. Now, this doesn't fit Christ's earthly ministry, his life, and so on. It doesn't fit Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 1 through 8, because Jesus Christ, he preached to none but the Jews without two exceptions, the Canaanite woman and the centurion. It states this in Matthew 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way... What? Don't go to the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans. He commanded... <laughs> follow me, guys. Keep going now. The Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand their kingdom program. So what he's saying there, don't go to the Gentiles. That's not your job. Chapter 15, he says this, or uh, chapter 15, verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hello? He didn't go to the Gentiles whatsoever. But us today, yes. Our apostle is... Paul, Romans eleven thirteen, he says this, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify him. If he's the apostle of the Gentiles and he's our apostle, I should minister to the Gentiles. Acts 13, 46 says this, For I, notice, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, Jews, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Interesting statement there. And then it says back in chapter 3, verse 16, believed on in the world. Believed on in the world. Did you get that, fellas, back to chapter 13, verse 16? Get your verses going here for me. Believed on in the world. When on earth, he didn't go to the world. Christ didn't. His own Jewish people turned their back on him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Luke 19, 14 says this. But his citizens, the Jewish people, hated him, Christ, and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. The Jews didn't want Christ to reign over them. Acts 2.36, Peter, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You've crucified your Messiah. It was not good news. It was bad news that they did this. Acts 7 verse 56 says this, And Stephen, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. There's a lot in that. I'll miss that. 
Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran up on him with one accord. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. There they rejected the final part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. They had rejected the Father. They rejected the Son by crucifying. Now they reject the Holy Spirit. Complete rejection by the nation of the Godhead itself. The Jews rejected him. So the Jews didn't go to the world. Jesus didn't go to the world. So the world could not have believed. How shall they hear without a preacher? Amen? But today, because believers live godly, they make Jesus to appear. Notice this. They see Christ lived out in our lives. And because of that, Many people, diverse people around this entire world have been led to Christ and the gospel because they've seen that Christ is real in a person's life. Amen? And then notice the last thing he says here in verse 16. Received up into glory. It's true that Christ, after his resurrection having a 40-day seminar with his 12 disciples, apostles. After that, he ascended on high. He was received up to glory. But we also today, the moment we were saved, we were received up into glory. Somebody said, how can that be? I'm here. Huh? Don't, don't miss this. We're seated in heaven in Christ. That's our heavenly spiritual position that is a reality, a truth, according to the Word of God. Amen? He says in Ephesians 2, 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. How? In Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen? Amen. Now, physically, that will take place one day. Colossians 3, 4 says this. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I'm waiting for the adoption of my body to be glorified and go up in the glory physically. But already my position is there in glory. I actually believe because God decreed and God's foreknowledge, God has already seen us in heaven glorified. Romans 8.30 says this here. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. That's when you're saved, of course. And whom he justified, them he also Glorify. Already in the mind and purpose of God, we're a done deal. We will go to heaven. We will be in glory one of these days. Now, this is the mystery's godliness. With Christ in us, never before known, we're to live grace's truths so that we can reflect that Christ does live inside of us so we can live the God-given truth 
that God gave to Paul in his 13 epistles. It states in 1 Corinthians 3, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and written. In other words, you can see truth in a person's life. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, they see Christ in you, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. People can see truth being lived out through our bodies. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body for we which live and are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And when Jesus can be seen in our life, that's godliness. Amen? So the mystery's godliness is allowing Christ in you to live his life through you as a believer. That's why Galatians 2, Earl, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because I believe what the Word of God says, by faith I believe Christ lives inside of me, and he's given me new life, and that new life is to come forth. Colossians 1.27 says this here, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When visiting the other day, went up and saw Zach, but I saw Bob Shalato. He was having a rough day that day. And... Uh, just rip your heart out. He's been such a good friend of Grace Points and mine. And he said he'd like to go home to his house to be with Bev, to be with the family. Then he said this, but if the Lord has a different plan to take him to heaven, he said this, I know that's okay too. You see, Paul was living out Pauline truth. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Bob was surrendering to God's truth which allowed Christ to be seen in him. At that moment was godliness. Amen? A Christian lady was in the grocery line waiting to pay her bill. Another lady right behind her was watching her and knew some things going on. She felt and sensed, and the lady said, excuse me, I don't want to bother you, but are you a Christian? The first lady said, yes, I am. Then the other lady 
asked her, said, would you please pray for me right now? You see, she was really heavy burdened, and she began to cry and weep. The first lady, who's the Christian, she said, of course, and she prayed for her. Now, here's the question. What did this other lady observe? She observed God was being lived out, being manifested in this first lady's life, godliness. God is life, zoe, the Greek word, the very life of God. God is love, agape, the highest love one can have. The love and life of Christ is in us, is waiting to be loosed and lived out in our lives. Now, don't miss this. This is the gist of it all. That comes into play when we die to self, we surrender, his will be done. He's the priority of our life. He's the first love of our life. Then we live for him. And it's then, at that moment, when we surrender our all to him, at that moment, that's when we have the power to have godliness. Amen? Then Christ can be seen in us. Think of it this way. I'm about done. Think of this. Wouldn't it be crazy if you would go out and buy a brand new car and you say, the way they cost today, yes, it would be crazy. <laughs> but you would go out and buy a new car. And when you got home with that new car, you never would turn the engine on to take you anywhere. Wherever you wanted to go, you pushed that car. <laughs> and when you go down the store, you push the car. Now, that is crazy. Amen? And likewise, trying to live godly, but living it in the power of our own flesh is like pushing. Amen? It's like pushing. Today, in us is God if we're saved. If we yield to his will and to his word, we live godly. And so I say to you, isn't it time that we start living godly to allow something that no other dispensation prior to the dispensation of grace that we're in today could experience like we can? The moment we believe the gospel, he comes and lives with inside of us. Now he says the thing that smothers him, quenches him, and puts him down if we try to live our own life and our own power and not use him, not allow him to live in and through us. Somebody said to me the other day, I can't remember everything, but he said, uh, it's soon we'll be facing Jesus 
and I don't want to face him the way I've been living. And he made a change. Likewise, when we meet Christ, I want him to know that I gave him my best. And I tried to surrender the best I could to allow him to live in and through me. That's what he wants. What a privileged people we are to be living in this age of grace today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this simple verse that teaches us so much that we need to be more Christ-like. We need to live godly. And we can do that because we already have Christ in us. And may we allow him to take over our life. May we be willing to die to self, to crucify ourselves in the sense that it's not about me. It's not my will, God. It's your will. I surrender to your will for my life. And Lord, when we do that on a regular basis, that's when we live godliness. And I saw that as I was studying this. And I want to thank you for the hope that I have that I can do this thing. Be with our people. May this truth sink in, in Jesus' name. And we hope said, you received the blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.